0: Hello and welcome to Shivo vs. the First World. I'm Sheila D.
1: And I am Evo Tara. You're listening to our podcast about the reverse culture shock we experience every day as American citizens returning home after three and a half years living and working overseas.
0: Today, we've got the cure for what ails you medical marijuana and the culture war that's coming from a mixture of science and stoners.
1: But before we go too far down Highway 420, we need to stress two things. One, Sheila and I are both solidly in the legalize it camp. We're all in on a comprehensive repeal of America's stupid federal ban on cannabis. Keep that in mind as you listen, especially as we take aim at pot culture a little later in this episode. And two, we need to thank our faithful patrons. Many of you have been with us for years as we travel the globe. There's an extended and uncensored conversation about each of our own histories with Wacky Weed, available only to find patrons just like you in the special patrons-only feed. We've recently made some changes to Patreon, so let us know if you aren't getting those episodes. And of course if you want to hear that episode and other exclusive episodes go to shivo.wtf/patrons and give us a buck. Yes, a buck. We're cheap. Now, on with the show, you stoners,
0: you. You might think medical marijuana is a uniquely American thing, but you'd be wrong. 28 countries including the US and Canada have some form of medical cannabis law that ostensibly allows an authorized patient to spark up a spliff in the comfort of their own home. Twelve developing nations are on that list, spread around Central and South America, Eastern Europe, and even a couple of countries in Africa.
1: Not surprisingly, none of the developing nations that have medical marijuana laws are in Southeast Asia. And while government officials from places like Thailand have made progressive-sounding statements as to the possibility of medical marijuana adoption, there's good reason to be skeptical. These countries take their marching orders from large trading partners. And guess who those large trading partners are? America and China, two countries who, on a national level, are still very much anti-cannabis, regardless of regionalized acceptance enacted by voters or blind eyes turned by officials. That, and politicians are notorious for just saying things to placate reporters in fringe groups. Actions speak louder than words, and smoking weed in some of these countries comes at the risk of the death penalty. Not kidding.
0: But in America, that's not the case. Even though the federal ban on cannabis remains, 30 states, well really 29 plus the District of Columbia, have passed medical marijuana laws. Even Oklahoma, which by the way surprised both of us. This is the part of the program where we'd normally bring on an expert to tell us the facts. Because unless you've been ignoring any and all media, You've likely heard near-magical stories of cannabis as a medicine curing just about every kind of disease and condition under the sun. But these personal stories are simply anecdotes, and anecdotes don't add up to evidence. Worse, quality scientific studies on the medical effects of cannabis are few and far between. Largely, many claim, because of America's federal ban on cannabis. That makes it extremely difficult bordering on impossible, to find money to fund a large-scale study.
1: But there have been some studies. We know, for example, of very interesting compounds that come from cannabis. Two of them are THC and CBD. Generally speaking, THC is the psychoactive component, that which gets you high. CBD, on the other hand, doesn't. But go deeper than that, and things start to get messy. Many in the scientific and medical community ask a simple question, what's the proper dosage of either of those two components, either isolated or in combination, that will provide the necessary medical effect on any given patient?
0: Hey, Evo, did you hear that? That's the sound of thousands of listeners unsubscribing to our show, or at least deleting this particular episode. Thanks! you traitor.
1: I get it. I get it. I'll remind the few still listening that I am fully behind the efforts to lift the federal ban and legalize cannabis, if only to get more good science happening so we can better understand cannabis and how we can exploit cannabinoids for public health.
0: I also think we should jump out of this narrator mode and have an actual conversation about what predicated this particular topic for Shiva versus the first world. Shall we?
1: Great idea.
0: Okay, so let me get get this wrapped around my little head. Um, you actually think that potheads and stoners are actually making the cause uh, for medical marijuana worse?
1: Yeah. Well, at least maybe my thinking on this has has really changed since we came up with this topic three weeks ago, and even today, as I'm in the car listening <laughs> to shows. Here's my here's my basic understanding of how this happens, or my what my what my brain is coming up with. Just a few short years ago, uh, it was all about pot culture. And for our entire lives growing up, my dear, mm-hmm. High Times Magazine, Cheech mm-hmm. and Chong, all the things that were all about pot, not as consumed as a health benefit, but as that which gets you high. It right. was definitely a, a pot culture, which was all about getting stoned.
0: The altered state.
1: Exactly right. Now, it's there's a, there have been conversations about the medical aspects for a long time, but it's been a very, very small bit of the culture. When we were kids, it was few and far between anyone was taking, at any grain of seriousness, the possible medical effects, how, how this plant could be used medicinally. It was very, very small and it was tiny. But now, of course, that is shifting. We do have this large growing population of people who want to talk about the medical benefits of using marijuana or cannabinoids or some other compound mm-hmm. many of the people who are leading the charge for that are pot culture people as well of course and it's getting blended together
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i think in some in some places when it gets blended together sometimes when the stoners show their huge support for medical marijuana it feels a little disingenuous. Right. And this is coming from someone who is inside of this community. Right. I have been to networking events. Everyone at this networking event is a card carrying member. We're here in support of medical marijuana. Right. And we gather around the campfire and just pass random joints around like crazy.
0: So when they're doing that, are they discussing like, oh, this one um, makes me feel this way or, oh, this one has this property or, oh, this, this tastes like this
1: No, because again, there's four or five different types of weed being right. passed around that everyone's enjoying it. So even if we were to talk about, oh, this one makes me feel this way. Right. 14 seconds from now, someone's going to hand me a different joint With a totally different set, how are you going to do that? It really feels a lot more like we're drinking beers around the campfire and somebody breaks out a bottle of Jack yeah, and then somebody else brings out some moonshine and somebody else breaks out, you know, the weird craft beer nerd over in the corner. Right. We're all doing it for one reason. That's an alcohol delivery device. Right. And it feels to me, again, from my experience being inside of the community who was in hardcore support of medical marijuana... Out of one mouth, we talk about how much we support marijuana. And out of the other mouth, we start talking about how high we're getting right now. Right. Very, very different.
0: So going back to the culture of of pot and all of that, what's wrong with it? You know, we we have other sin-based cultures out there that, that are widely accepted. Some of them even have magazines centered around them. So you've got like Beer Connoisseur and... Uh, cigar aficionado and even even like cosmopolitan, which kind of blurs the lines between health and this naughty area. Um, why do we single out pot?
1: There's a couple of reasons. So the first one is that you know there's no reasonable person out there who is extolling the medical virtues of tobacco in the form of cigar aficionado mm-hmm. or alcohol. In the form of beer connoisseur, or well, maybe sex, I don't know for Cosmo because <laughs> obviously those articles are all about how healthy it is to actually right. have sex on a regular basis. So that would be a different little bit ways different. to have sex sure so, so, so I totally get that one right so but again, people who smoke cigars aren't talking about how fantastic nicotinoids are at fighting infections. They are, oh. but it's, we're not using medicine out <laughs> okay. of those, right? Beer, craft beer nerds, we do sit around and talk about the, the flavors and the smells mm-hmm. and the taste that we get out of something like right. this, but we're not talking about how healthy it is. It, right. in, any of those are always tongue-in-cheek, a little bit in jest, you know, a beer a day is good for you.
0: Maybe only when you're talking about your book.
1: Uh, well, that's very true, right, as, <laughs> as, a, as a beer diet, as a weight loss supplement, right? Those things are all done kind of, not necessarily in jest, but more in a support that, you know, look, this isn't so bad. Right. Right. Okay. So you have that. And, and I think it's because pot smokers are imperfect messengers, <laughs> I think, in a, lo- in a lot of cases. Okay. And they're the ones that are rallying around the flag. Uh, they're the ones that are bringing the troops together to say, let's push this forward because it should be legal. And it also is really, really good for all these weird medical conditions out there. And I don't I don't know if that's actually the case, right? I mean, the closest thing that we have to this on what is something that is consumed for pleasure mm-hmm. and is consumed in a medicinal way is tea.
0: Right. Because tea has a recreational side, traditional tea houses and services, global trade, and a medical side.
1: Yeah, but even then, the medical benefits of tea, specifically, we're talking about a tea plant, um, at least in Western culture, really are very, very limited. You know, no, Again, no, no doctor is going to go out there and prescribe someone to drink a cup of tea to help them fight cancer. Even if it's on their they're they're on their deathbed, they're not going to say, "Well, I can't really do anything else for you, so enjoy a cup of tea." You can enjoy a cup of tea all the time, (laughs) right? There's no real there's no real benefits. We we know that tea does have some anti-cancer, some anti-tumor properties, but when medicine when science finds those, they isolate those things out and they make the compounds and they put that inside of a medicine, right? Right. And there's also the fact that tea is legal. Tea is legal everywhere. Yes, 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 yes. I agree. Medical marijuana should be legal, but. Because tea is already legal, it didn't start out with a fringe group. And I'm sorry, my stoner friends out there, you're a fringe group. And that's the message you've had. You start from a fringe group. You're always seen as a fringe group. It'll take a long time for that to happen because this fringe group has already developed. And it's just, it's just tough to make all this work.
0: Okay. So earlier you said your thinking had changed on marijuana as a medicine. Specifically, you'd been skeptical of those who smoke and then go about their day as normal.
1: Yeah, right. That's, that's, that's a big and, and kind of a recent change for me based on some of the conversations that you and I have had. So right. so thanks very much for bringing that up. I'll explain to the listener what we talked about in, in general and then we can come in and really uh, deal with that. So here's the deal. My supposition was, and again, this is changing, my supposition was that when you smoke dope, when you take an edible, when you inhale from a concentrate, when you dab, when you whatever you do to take this medicine and put it in your system. But specifically talking about the THC component, if you are right. smoking a whole flower plant or an extract that is of the entire, sometimes called full a whole flower, sometimes called full spectrum, When you do that and you take it, even if you're trying to relieve an ailment that you have, be it it anxiety, be it some pain that you're dealing with, uh, be it uh, inflammatory situations that are happening, when you ingest the whole plant, you get high. Okay. At least that's what I used to think. Okay. And the reason I used to think that is you and I were having this conversation. Yes. And... We talked about this, and I started questioning myself because when I take an opioid,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like if I've had my, my feet, my, my ankles are broken, take a lot of opioids for that, I've had other pains and surgeries, when you get that, you, I, I get a prescription for an opioid, and when I take the opioid, it does exactly what it's designed to do. It stops my pain. My pain mm-hmm. goes away. But I don't get high from it, and I'd always thought it was because I'm not abusing the medicine. Right. So I take the pill- I don't have my pain and I can go about my day, but I do everything the way I normally would. I drive to work after I've taken an opioid. I, okay. If I take cough medicine, I drink the cough medicine because I think it relieves my cough, even though it really doesn't. But whatever, if I'll take you know cold and sinus medicine or cold and flu to relieve some of the aches and pains, those have warnings on them that say, do not drive, do not operate heavy machinery. Well, okay, I do one of those things. Mm-hmm. but I, But I drive when I'm on these drugs Right, And I do not, I honestly do not feel any psychoactive effects when I take these. But you're telling me it's different for you.
0: For me, I feel pretty much everything. And that's why I don't take any of those. Pretty much ever. In fact, it's one of the things that you and I have probably fought over. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: you don't take your meds. Because
0: I don't take my meds when I when I've had surgery and stuff like that. Because I don't like that feeling. And right. I am even if I take like a half of, of a pill or whatever. And it's it's even things like Benadryl or yeah. whatever. Like I am affected by each and every one of them.
1: And for me, it doesn't matter what kind of weed it is that I'm smoking, a sativa dominant strain or indica dominant strain, I feel the effects from the first hit. Right. From the first hit I take, I feel the effects. I am altered. Am I impaired? We're, I'm not going to go down that. I'm not asking that question, but I am definitely altered. It's not just that my pain has gone away. Mm -hmm. It is that I feel different. different. Mm -hmm. But you always feel different from any meds you take. Right. And I don't. So my brain has switched now. Maybe there are people Mm -hmm. who use cannabis to reduce pain, to reduce inflammation, to help with their epilepsy, to help anything else that they have. Maybe they don't get high. Maybe. Be, maybe I'm one of those, you know, super receptors of cannabinoids, and any little amount that hits my brain affects me mm-hmm. to a, to a small degree, or doesn't matter. But maybe there are others who it's not the case. They do not get high. They do not have those th- that particular psychoactive right. effect that impairs their ability or impacts their ability to actually function in society. Or if it does, it's a positive up. lift up. Mm-hmm not, but there's no downside to it. And that, that downside I think would be the high that we're feeling. So maybe, in fact, I'm not saying maybe, I now recognize there are some people who can take this, at least certain parts of it or certain types of it and in certain limited amounts and not get high. And that's, that's new. That's a hooray for me thinking of something, (laughs) you know, changing my mind about something. You can't be
0: taught. So on that, I mean, going back to the like not driving and things like mm-hmm. that it, you still have to put that out there for the general public like because some people do get impaired and Absolutely. things like that so i mean it's not like you can isolate oh you you can drive you you right. can't it's it's yeah. still all <laughs> and by the way just so you know um it's not okay for you to get high and look after our granddaughter
1: well sure i <laughs> plan on doing that anyhow so <laughs> so so uh, so no worries
0: at the start of the program
1: I mentioned our amazing patrons. Now if you're not yet a patron, you can become one quickly by visiting shivo.wtf/patrons. Patrons all get access to bonus episodes of the program like this week's special episode that we're about to record. It is part confessional as we talk in great detail about our own personal experiences with cannabis. And hey, we're both born in the 60s, so yes, we inhaled.
0: Yeah, but not back then. Don't forget that some patrons are eligible for special gifts. We've sent handwritten postcards, care packages from abroad, and of course, the special exclusive patron-only content Evo just mentioned. Dozens of listeners just like you think this show is worth a couple of bucks a month. If you agree, get on the list at shivo.wtf/patrons today.
1: Thanks for indulging us, sans expert today. And by the way, if I have wrinkled any feathers, please feel free to call me out in the comments section or publicly. I can take it.
0: And thank you for listening to Shivo versus the first world for more episodes and easy ways to listen each week. Just go to shivo.wtf podcasts. Also, neither of us are hard to find on all the relevant social media. I'm Sheila D.
1: And I am Evo Terra. We'll be back next week with another adjustment to your first world problems. Cheers! And thanks to our indulging... No, thanks to... Thanks for... That's my problem. I got too many words in there. Write your own script, Evo. Boom. Boom.